well. So today we have the privilege of celebrating baptism. I always like to remind us of a few things anytime we celebrate baptism. Today's uh, Super Sunday, right? Uh, it's Super Bowl Sunday. There's some little football game later today. But, uh, you know, they threw a whole football game to celebrate today just for us. I thought it was really cool. Um, and so, you know, the world is like partying in Phoenix. Uh, but that said, uh, as we celebrate baptism today, today's also Harvest's 30th anniversary. We've been baptizing for 30 years uh, this weekend, and so uh, I'll talk more about that in the message today. Uh, but I want to make sure we're on the same page. Baptism is not what saves us. It's not what takes us to heaven. It's not one of the things we do to prove we're good. Baptism is not what washes away our sins, although I will admit this water is a little warm today. It, uh, and uh, it's warmer than the river water, for sure. So, uh, so it's nice to have the holy hot tub and be able to do uh, baptisms inside. What does wash away our sins is Jesus and his blood. We all know, uh, I hope you know, uh, the gospel, that Jesus died for your sins, that they buried him in a borrowed grave, that he rose again, that he's alive today, that he loves you, and that uh, he will always love you. And so baptism is what we do to publicly declare or, or to show uh, to the world around us that we have identified our lives with Jesus Christ. It's in baptism where we say publicly that I identify with his death, burial, and resurrection. Going onto the water gives us a beautiful picture of his death and burial. Coming up out of the water, a beautiful picture of his resurrection. I would never say it's just a symbol. That would minimize it too much. It's a very important thing that we do. I wear a wedding ring as a symbol of the fact that I'm married. It's not my marriage, but it reminds me and everybody around me every single day how important my marriage is to me. It's what, I, it's what I do publicly to show that. Baptism is an important uh, reflection on the outside of what has already taken place on the inside. And so we're baptizing in both services today. We're super excited about that. So I'm going to invite Tom to, to come and uh, come on in the water and uh, we're going to have fun with this. All right, so uh, a couple of things I'll just remind you. Uh, this is Tom. Everybody say hi, Tom. Hi, Tom. Hi, Tom. All right, Tom and I say hi. We're, we're, we're good. This is Tom's family, and uh, so we're super glad you guys are here. Thanks for being here today. Um, Tom, you have given your life to Jesus Christ, asked him. You've repented of sins, turned to him, asked him to forgive you of your sins. You're declaring your faith in Jesus, right? That is awesome. So here's what I want you to do. Uh, put your hands out like this, and when I bring them up, you're going to plug your nose because you don't want to water. So it is my privilege, my brother, to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. All right. Buried with Christ in baptism and raised to walk in everlasting life. That's awesome. Give me a hug. What an amazing thing. All right. So, so here's the thing. Every, uh, you can go ahead. You can, <laughs> I mean, you can hang out right here if you want. But it, it really is. It, this is premium seating. And so we're selling tickets if you want to spend the sermon over here. Uh-huh. For that matter, if you want to be baptized today, we can still make that happen. We will do this again in about an hour, give or take a little bit. And so uh, we would love, uh, if you're interested in being baptized, we would love to baptize you today. There's always room for more. Never forget that, right? So I'm going to pray, and uh, we're going to continue to worship. Father, we thank you for Tom. We thank you for his faith. We thank you for, um, we thank you that he has given his life to you. We thank you for, uh, really, all of us 
who have given our lives to you, all we know to do is worship. All we know to do is to say thanks for what you have done for us. And so, Jesus, today we worship you. Today we celebrate what you have done and who you are. And, Jesus, we thank you that there is nothing we could do that would make you love us any more or love us any less. But help us to live out your love and share your love and make your love the center of how we live our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, Before we continue on in our worship through song, I also have an announcement. You just get to have all the announcements today. Um, it is, it's so good to hear updates from our missionaries. Even in a sad scenario, it, it's encouraging to see them working and to see what's going on in our world. Um, and, you know, it, it makes me remember how blessed I am. Um, but if you didn't know, my sisters are both missionaries in Haiti. Um, they work they run a project, Living Hope, um, down there, and they're actually doing a fundraiser coming up. It's a golf-a-thon, and our very own Bill Festi is going to go be a golfing. Yeah, he's going to hit some golf balls to raise money to go towards Project Living Hope to help out in Haiti. So if you would like to support him, you can support. You can say, yeah, I'll donate $2 a ball or whatever, and then he goes and golfs and does awesome at it, right, and raises money. So... Talk to him to learn more about how that works. I mean, you could do like $200 a ball. That'd be great, too. Um, (laughs) But anyways, um, yes, it's a great opportunity to help out in another country that, again, needs needs a lot of assistance, a lot of prayer, a lot of financial help. So um, talk to him if you would like to hear more about that. But um, let's continue our day by worshiping some more, shall we? Um, I just think... Whenever we have a baptismal, it just reminds me of the path that we're all in. Maybe we've done that. Maybe we haven't yet. But I know for me, I've been baptized. I um, have been adopted by God. I'm a part of the family. And being reminded of that process just makes me so joyful and so glad. And just to be able to say that my God is good. And it makes me want to praise him. So let's do that together. Let's stand. Two, three,
We see his hand working. Sometimes it's not immediately. Sometimes it's years later. And we can look back and we can say, oh yeah, God was working through that time in my life. Even though it was hard, those hard things were for a reason, had a purpose. We can always look to him through those times. I've seen.
this day of celebrating, um, this day of prayer, of rejoicing, coming together, we look to you, God, and we proclaim that you are enough, and we will rest in that, even though sometimes it's a struggle, we will give it to you over and over again, God, and sing to you over and over again that you are enough and that we are who we need to be in you. And God, I pray now as we continue in our service that you will be with us, God. Touch our hearts. Speak to us. We love you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So I, I debated a lot of ways on, on how, to, how to talk to us about uh, the 30th anniversary of Arvis Community Church. And uh, I thought about singing happy birthday, right? Is it a birthday or an anniversary? Which is it, right? It's, uh, it's both, I suppose. Um, I, thought about, um, I thought about a lot of things, actually. Uh, and actually, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to call an audible, uh, since it's Super Bowl Sunday. I wrote a sermon and uh, last night, I decided not to preach that one today. I just felt impressed by the Spirit to uh, delay it and uh, share something else with you today. And so that said, uh, we took the privilege of erasing everything that's inside your bulletin for sermon notes. If you look, uh, if you got one of the rare ones we didn't erase, you can, you can use it, but uh, it, won't, it won't add up. Uh, <laughs> nothing will uh, make sense if you will. And it's pretty cool how we have this erasable paper where you can go in and just... <laughs> so here's where I decided I really wanted to begin today. For 30 years, we have proclaimed what the gospel, the gospel what the Bible calls good news, right? The firm belief that Jesus Christ plunged headfirst into our world. He is God in the flesh to die for our sins that it was personal, that the love for God is personal. There's no way around it. It just is. There's nothing you can do to make God love you anymore. There's nothing you can do to make God love you any less. And that's not an excuse to say, oh, I'll just go live however I want, do whatever I want. It's just reality. God loves you. Jesus loves you. So much so that although the world thought what was happening on that cross was good riddance to a, to, a, to a rebel. What God was doing was saving us from our sins. And for thousands of years now, Christians have put their faith in the fact that Jesus was buried in a borrowed grave, that on the third day he rose to life, that he is alive today, that he loves you, that he wants nothing more than he deserves everything. But what he wants is to live inside you. Actually, all three, if we're going to be theologically correct, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, live inside you. Guide your life. I want to make sure that part's clear because now I want to have a little fun. And not that the gospel isn't fun, but I want to make sure that part's clear. And I want to make sure you hear that loud and clear today. Jesus loves you. You got it? All right. All right, so here's my question. Where were you February 14th, 1993? 
February 14th, 1993. You were across the street, exactly. I know that one of us was here that day because you were a part of that original core. Right? I was not here that day, you might suspect. I was uh, finishing spring of, of that year of college and, and thinking about a wedding that would happen a few months after February 14th, 1993. Uh, Marcy and I got married that same year. A lot of things happened in 1993. It, it was an interesting year in a lot of ways. There were highest of highs and lowest of lows. And frankly, I, I would tell you that our world is... Um, in some ways entirely different today, and in some ways not that different at all. Just a couple of random facts, 1993, Sears announced it was eliminating its 97-year-old catalog sales department in 1993. The Eiffel Tower welcomed its 150 millionth visitor that year. Jurassic Park was the most popular film. Bridges of Madison County was the best-selling fiction book. And 60 Minutes, of all things, was the top TV show on TV that year. Food Network premiered on television. That year, the Dallas Cowboys won the Super Bowl. Halftime show that year, anybody remember? Michael Jackson. Super Bowl ad that year cost $850,000. It's slightly more than that today. February 26, 1993, was the first attack on the World Trade Center. Left a five-story crater in the sublevels of the Twin Towers. Chicago Bulls were the NBA champs. Later that fall, Nelson Mandela won the Nobel Peace Prize. All kinds of amazing things really happened in 1993. Uh, we talked about a few weeks ago, the last episode of Cheers aired that year, right? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. Uh, debuting that year in consumer products were a drink called Pepsi Max and Beanie Babies, if you remember the craze. In 1993, there was no Facebook, no Twitter, no YouTube, no Instagram, no Reddit, no LinkedIn, no Pinterest, no Snapchat. None of, none of that. No Google Maps, no Google Books, no Google Goggles, or no, no iPhone, no camera phone, no Blu-ray discs, no iPods, no Amazon, whatever that was. No Gmail, no Wikipedia, no iTunes. <laughs> exactly. But there was this thing called Microsoft. In fact, I think they were on Windows NT 3. something or other. Yeah, you're still using it, maybe. <laughs> that year in April, uh, a European organization for nuclear research released something called the World Wide Web into public domain, WWW, whatever that is. By the end of December 1993, there were, get this, 623 websites and about 15 million internet users worldwide. That was about the time I discovered the internet. And it largely had been a thing of government institutions long before the rest of us were sort of brought into that world. 
obviously life-altering in a lot of ways. We can debate all day long whether it was for the good or not. Popular TV shows include not just 60 Minutes, but Home Improvement and Seinfeld and Coach and a few other things. I got to thinking, 93, like, like I, Friends was a 90 show, debuted in 1994. Biggest movies that year, Jurassic Park. I think they're still making those. Mrs. Doubtfire, The Fugitive. <laughs> Top songs of the year. Whitney Houston, I Will Always Love You, I Am Not Gonna Sing It To You, that is my gift to you today. You don't want me trying to hit that high note. Or if you've ever said, well, there it is. 1993, you have 1993 to thank for that. There were, uh, you know, a a lot of things happened that year. Always uh, interesting to me to think about sort of who was born and who wasn't born yet. That year, February 1993, the world had just lost Aubrey Hepburn, famed actress, and Thurgood Marshall, the first, uh, the African-American Supreme Court Justice, and Andre the Giant, if you're keeping track. Later that year, the world lost Jimmy Doolittle. Where were you in 1993? Mark, I know you were across the street. The Harvest Community Church was born thanks to a small core of believers, including uh, Andy and Kay Martin, who started Harvest Community Church. Some of you know them. Some of you have never met them. uh, Harvest began right across the street, what was the old Cal Young Middle School before the new version of the building was built. So basically where the parking lot is today, uh, Harvest was born. Got me thinking to how much the world has changed in those 30 years. Does it seem to you like, like churches are shrinking in American life? Like, like there are maybe fewer of them or the importance of church life sort of is a less of a thing to, to modern day America. Does it, does it feel that way? Does it feel to you that churches are smaller than they used to be? It's interesting. In church world, if you look at trends, Churches have done one of two things. They've either gotten way bigger or way smaller. The median church size in 19... I don't have numbers for 1993. I couldn't find that. But in the year 2000, the median church size was 137 members. 137 members. That means 50% of the churches were larger than that and 50% of the churches were smaller than that. 2005, that number shrank to 129. 2008, the year I came to Harvest Community Church to become our pastor, that number shrunk to 114. 2010, that number shrunk to 105. 2015, shrunk to 80. 2020, COVID year obviously impacted there, shrunk to 65. But there's no indication that that long decline is reversing at all. So it got me thinking about the impact of churches across American life and lives that are changed. And there's a lot that plays into this. You know, I don't know if you've heard this, but we're having less kids today than we used to, right? Birth rate in America is is quite small. That also means that things like kids getting baptized happens less and less because there's just fewer kids if you think about it statistically. But baptism baptism trends in my tribe, sort of my 
traditional background, which is Baptist, if you don't know. 2008, churches among my tribe would have, on average, one baptism for every 47 members. 2018, that number would climb one baptism for every 59 members. 2019, one baptism for every 62 members. In 2007, we baptized 26.5% fewer baptisms than just one, one year prior. 2019, one baptism for every 62 members. 2020, again, COVID impacted, one baptism for every 114 members. 2021, a little better picture of reality, but still declining baptisms, one baptism for every 88 members. That's just not enough. It's, again, not that baptism is what saves us. It's, it's, we need Jesus more today than we ever have. So let me tell you something I'm super proud of, and I don't mean this in some proud kind of bigoted kind of way. I don't mean this in some kind of like, like pat ourselves on the back kind of way. But I went looking through our list of baptisms since 1993. Actually, some of you are on this list, which is, which is pretty cool. Really, I, it, like I teared up looking through the list. In 2021... Harvest baptized 10 people, one baptism for every 11 members. Remember, 2021, denominationally speaking, one baptism for every 88. Harvest, one for every 11. 2022, harvest baptized 14 people, one baptism for every eight members. Today, Tom was baptized, and next service, two people will be baptized. Yeah. Like it's a big deal. It's a big deal. In fact, I'm, I'm just sort of curious. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna play a little game for a second. Just, just bear with me. You ever, go to, um, you ever go to church and you're not sure when to stand up and when to sit down? Right? right? It's primarily that would be my Catholic friends or my Episcopal friends. Right? But you know, when you're only halfway up, you're neither up nor down. You, you kind of don't know what to do. So we're going to play a little game like that today. I'm just sort of curious. I'm thinking about meaningful things that we do as a church. So if you were baptized, uh, if you were baptized here at Harvest Community Church sometime in the 30 years, would you stand up? So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Am I counting right? In this service. Right? There will be more. You guys can sit down. You guys can uh, sit down. If, if, if you were, Megan, were you, were you over 18 when you were baptized? Yeah. I thought so. Um, ev- note this. Most baptisms happen among children. Every one of these folks was an, is an adult. Or at least working on it, right? So I, before we're done, I'm going to have everybody stand up, I hope. Uh, if you are or have been a steward here at Harvest Community Church, would you stand up? All right, so our stewards, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, let's 
five of you or so. Uh, our stewards are our leadership team here at Harvest Community Church, uh, men and women who come alongside me and help steward all that has been entrusted to us here at Harvest. If you've taught kids or teenagers somewhere along the way at Harvest Community Church, would you stand up? Yeah. What, what about, you can, you can have a seat. Some of you are going to stand up every time I do this. I'm noticing. If you, which does sort of make a point. Maybe we don't want to belabor today, but... <clears throat> If you've led a life group or a ministry team at Harvest Community Church, would you stand up? It's good. If you volunteer like 800 hours a week, would you stand up, Bill? Bill. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Raising little ones, it's a full-time, round-the-clock never ends, right? That's cool. If you've gone on a mission trip with Harvest uh, in, in states or out of the states uh, with Harvest Community Church, would you stand up? All right. So that tells me it's time for some more mission trips. So I imagine we'll have more folks in second service who can say that. We haven't been able to do mission trips the last several years. COVID impacted. Uh, that's something we're looking forward to getting back to. If you've given to our mission in some capacity, this is not, look at me, I'm a big giver. This is just, if you've given in some capacity to the, to the vision of the mission of Harvest Community Church, to see people reach for the gospels, to see lives change, and to see us sent back into the world to share the gospel. If you've given in any capacity at all to Harvest Community Church, would you stand up? I know you don't do it for that, so I know some of you probably don't want to stand because you do it. If you've attended worship at Harvest Community Church, would you please stand up? All right, no, 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 remain standing. Now I'm going to sit. We're going to do traditional like where the, uh, biblically where the teacher sits and the people who are listening. You guys don't like that idea. I tell you what. I tell you what, here's what I want to do. I do want you to remain standing. I want to commission you, Harvest Community Church, to continue to do what we've always done, to not give up now, to not stop what we're doing, to keep going, to keep it up, to just keep making a difference. I'm going to commission you to do that. Can I pray that for you, for us? All right, Lord, I pray over Harvest Community Church today, not just those of us who are gathered here, but even those of us that are gathered online, and I pray that you would do more in the coming decades of what you've already done at Harvest Community Church. Lord, I thank you for the 385 folks who have been baptized uh, over the years. And Lord, I pray that we'd see more and more and more of that for your glory and for your kingdom. Lord, we commission us to go with the gospel, to go with your grace, and we commit that we will not give up now. We know that our world needs you desperately. So Lord, send us. Send us with the gospel. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. If you get bored in the next 20 minutes or so, you can be halfway up or neither up nor down, whichever, whichever you prefer. As I mentioned, over the years, again, just keeping records best we know how, 385 people, correct that, 386 people 
have been baptized with Harvest Community Church, and before the day is over, that number should be at least 387, because I know I have at least one scheduled uh, for next service. It's just tremendous how God changes lives, how we show up broken, and we're transformed from the inside out, how we show up hungry for love, and we find that God's love is unlimited, how we show up needing so much and having so little to offer, and grace receives us and transforms us anyway. So I got to thinking about our marching orders, if you will. Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. You find something similar to this in various places in the Bible, but I just want to read this with you. Matthew 28, 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go, you, you would certainly note there were 11 of them uh, because one of them betrayed Jesus, right? They had not yet replaced Judas Iscariot. And when they saw Jesus, they worshiped, but some doubted. Notice that was among the 11. And then Jesus came to them and said a bunch of powerful stuff. He said, all authority, on <laughs> all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. If you're ever worried about going with the gospel or sharing the love of Jesus or speaking up or he gets us in commercials that are going to be about Jesus or if you've ever, if you've ever had any worry about, about sort of that ability to point to him to other people, realize that it's not your authority you're counting on here. It's the authority of Jesus Christ and all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. Therefore, go. It literally says... As you go would be a, a more literal translation. Even the literal translations don't translate it that way. I, I kind of find it interesting that we do that. As you are going, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Right? Those are our marching orders. Right? The command there is, is, is the clearest command, and all of that is, is to make disciples. And part of making disciples is going, and part of making disciples is baptizing, and part of making disciples is teaching, and part of making disciples is obeying. And a lot of being a disciple is knowing that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him, and that he who has that authority is with us always. Always. So here's my encouragement to you. Keep it up. Keep going. Don't give up now. Don't give up now, please. 30 years is not time to say, hey, I'm going to sit back, throw my feet up, and say, hey, God's good. Like, we can celebrate. We're going to have cake today, which we are. And if you can't have cake, I didn't bring, like, celery or anything. I'm sorry for that. Should have thought about that. I don't know, is, is, is a birthday celery a thing? I don't think so, but birthday cake is. So we're going to have birthday cake in between services. Just keep it up. Keep going. Don't give up. I heard some random speech this week, and the guy that was talking kept saying, finish the job. That was last Tuesday night. We're not political here at Harvest, but I will tell you, uh, <laughs> 
Politicians will never finish the job. Either side. I'm glad to offend everyone. Politicians will never finish the job. One clear reason, they want to be reelected. If they finished the job, that job would be done. They wouldn't get, and for one, they don't know what job it is. They can't even agree on the job, right? But, but, but whatever's going on there, I'm going to say, we have the real job. Let's finish it. So it said that our job is to make disciples. I want to remind you very quickly of what a disciple is. To put it in very simple language, a disciple is, and we'll fill in some blanks. Actually, we don't have blanks. We just have blank paper. We're gonna, or if you want to write this down, you can. If you don't, I'm not worried about it. But, and I will give you the answers to this, but let me give you a real simple definition first. The word disciple means learner. Um, it might mean in our language something like a, a, uh, an apprentice, an imitator. I'm not going to say intern because intern implies uh, sort of the wrong thing. But apprentice implies someone who wants to be like the person they're learning from. That's literally what the word disciple means. In fact, back in the day, they would have this saying that, because uh, they had a, a lots of people uh, who were religious leaders in that day. A lot of the Pharisees had disciples. John had disciples, you might remember. John the Baptist, Jesus later had disciples. And they, they would say, religiously speaking, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. And that meant that you were so close to your rabbi that literally as you walked, that the rabbi rubbed off on you, that you were covered in the dust of your rabbi because you were so close to him. That's not a biblical statement, but it's something that was said back then. We're disciples of Jesus, and we make disciples of Jesus. My prayer is that we'd be covered in the dust of our rabbi, not just for the last 30 years, but for the next 30 and more. So we're making disciples who do three things, to put it very simply, right? Because if you're going to write a, uh, a sort of preacher outline, that's always got to be, notice most of the time I do four, five, sometimes I do nine and I preach it over like 18 weeks. You know, it, it's, it's, I'm not bound by that stuff. But today, we're making disciples who do three things. One, number one, disciples who live as Jesus lives. This is what it means to be a disciple, to imitate, to to, and not, not in the flattery sense, but in the, I need who you are. I need more of you and less of me. To become like, to live as Jesus lives. First John chapter 2, verse 6 says, Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. That's convicting. Some of the translations say, Whoever claims to walk in him must walk as Jesus did. I guess cars are out. So is Google and Microsoft and Apple. Live as Jesus lives. And, and notice, I'm just noting for us, it's not live as Jesus lived, L-I-V-E-D. He is alive today, so we're going to live as Jesus lives. This is about heart transformation. This is about character. This is about the fruit of the Spirit. 
right? Love and joy and peace and patience, all those qualities that, that when we think of what is Jesus like and who is Jesus, we're trying to become like that. I'll mention it again in a minute. I'm wearing one of these He Gets Us shirts, right? He Gets Us, as we told you a couple of weeks ago, we're partnering with the He Gets Us campaign. They're running a couple of commercials during the Super Bowl today. Um, a lot of it is slick branding, I will admit that, that is meant to make people who have dismissed Jesus think again about who Jesus really is. When we say that we need to become more like him, we're by necessity implying that he is different than us. And I want to note for you that he is different in about a billion ways, but he still plunged headfirst into this world on that rescue mission for you and I. And he calls us to plunge right back into this world with his story, with the gospel. He gets us, takes a lot of flack right now. At some degree, I understand it, and to some degree, I don't. We posted something on Facebook this week about what we're doing in partnership with He Gets Us, and I had a couple of people, in fact, one guy twice, uh, sort of post things on our posts to say, hey, but what about this? Can you trust these people? Here's what I know. I know that there are people who will respond to these commercials who are broken, who say, I need help, and we want to be there to answer when they reach out on that phone or that text or that email or whatever it is. I'll come back to that in a minute. Live as Jesus lives. Number two, love as Jesus loves. We're making disciples who love as Jesus loves. This should all sound remotely familiar to you. For one, I've taught this before. For two, for two, we talk about love all the time. I mean, I feel like drip, 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 drip. You know, it's a famous story. Preacher, when are you going to get a different, when are you going to write a different sermon? Preacher says, when y'all start living this one. You know, we're never going to fully finish this one. Love is Jesus loves. This is what it means to be disciples. John 15, verse 12, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command. And I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. But instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from the Father, I made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. <laughs> so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. That we are called to love as Jesus loves. Disciples are people who live as Jesus lives, who love as Jesus loves. And number three, disciples are people who love who Jesus loves. Love who Jesus loves. By the way, who exactly are the people Jesus doesn't love? No one. You sure about that? He did. And a couple of them buried him, right? But you're right. Like and love are different things. <laughs> Probably worth noting, right? Um, I think there were moments that he, even with the disciples, he just shook his head. 
right? We love who Jesus loves, and the answer to who Jesus loves is literally everyone. I would note for you that our world is built on splitting us into groups, and sociology would teach us that we're most comfortable in groups that look and feel just like us. And so if you look at the American church these days, that's what we've done. We gather in little groups that look just like us, for lack of a better way of saying it. And so there are churches for these folks and churches for these folks and churches for these folks. And yet the gospel is the story of more than he just loves these folks or these folks. It's that he loves these folks and these folks and that, <laughs> that he loves all of them, all of them. And this is the moment where we begin to think about, like, but what about the, this group or that group or the people who sin really bad, whatever that sin really bad means? And Jesus loves them. It's not in question. We love who Jesus loves. Matthew 22, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, first and greatest, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. But you know the second is like it, right? Matthew 2, 22, 39, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So I'm to love God with heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm to love my neighbor as myself. We're to love one another, John 13, 35. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If, it's a big if, you love one another. You might remember Luke 10, 29. Jesus told that story of the Good Samaritan, and it was told in response to a question. Well, then who is my neighbor? Specifically, who exactly is my neighbor? How, how, if I'm supposed to love my neighbor, how small can we shrink that circle so that I know how few people I'm supposed to love? And Jesus told the Good Samaritan story, and, and there's a lot of point to that story. I'm not going to re-preach it to you, but at the end of the day, the question was not who is my neighbor, it's who am I being a neighbor to? And who I'm supposed to be a neighbor to is whomever I come in contact with especially when they're different than me, when they have a different faith than me, maybe they have a different color skin than me, maybe they have a uh, different all kinds of things. In fact, I, Jesus went so far as to say that I am to not just love the people I already love, but I'm to love my enemy. Luke 6, and we're the ones that are really good at making enemies out of people. Again, our world sort of thrives on that. In fact, I haven't listened to a State of the Union address in all of my years of listening to State of the Unions where one side or the other wasn't made out to be the enemy. Luke 6, 27, it's why they'll never finish the job because they don't know the assignment. Luke 6, 27, but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you and bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. And if someone slaps you on the cheek, turn to them the other also. And if someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them and give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those who 
From whom you expect payment? What credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies and do good to them and lend to them without expecting anything back. And then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful. He is kind to the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Like, let's just do what Jesus does. Again, I want to come back to he gets us. It's sort of interesting. Anytime any group of people will put themselves out there in this way, uh, there will be criticism, and that's just natural. It, it, it just is. But I'm going to tell you, in the last few days, I've read criticism of both sides of he gets us. The, the ultra-conservatives say, there's some woke stuff going on here, and I can't quite put my finger on it because I don't quite know who exactly these folks are. But whoever they are, it's woke enough that and you know the great sin, in, in at least the American right these days, is if something is woke, that's the great sin. Now, not to be outdone, the left also has great criticism of he gets us. They're actually teaching the name Jesus. But what about LGBTQ? What about... Uh, some of the people who give to that campaign are people who are from the right, and if they're from the right, they're enemies. Therefore, the campaign is toast. I literally had somebody write twice this week on our post, and we silenced their, I don't mind saying, we, we, we hid their comment from you because we weren't interested in a public debate about the political origins of He Gets Us. What I'm interested in are the people who hear the message and say, I need the hope that guy offers. In fact, I think one of the common criticisms I hear just drives me nuts is, but people who answer those phones might not tell them the real gospel. And therefore, we can't partner with them because the people who answer the phones, the people who reply to the texts, the people who reply to the emails might not tell them the real gospel. Therefore, we can't partner with this. I'm like, then let's lean in and tell them the real gospel. This is not complicated. It's not. Jesus still calls the uncallable to touch the untouchable, to forgive the unforgivable, to reach the unreachable. Thirty years, three hundred eighty-six baptisms. Many more disciples than that. Some sent around the world with the gospel. All of us sent at least across the street with it. Keep it up. Finish that job. Be covered in the dust of your rabbi. I want a prayer or two prayers. You good with that? All right. If you need Jesus today, you need salvation today, there's no better time than right here, right now, even online. So if you need Jesus today, would you pray this with me? The gospel's clear. We've outlined it several times. You just, in a sense, receive it. You pray like this, dear Jesus, thank you that you love me. I know I don't deserve it. And I don't deserve your forgiveness. 
nor your death for my sins. Jesus, please forgive mine. And please take over my life. And please be my God. Please change me and make me more like you. Jesus, I put my faith in you today. I ask you to be my Savior, my Lord. In Jesus' name, your name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time today, I'd love to know it. I'd love to celebrate it. In fact, I'd love to talk about baptism. I can't celebrate that with you if I don't know about it. So please let me know. Let someone know. Uh, You can let us know on a communication card, online, a digital communication card. You can find me after the service. You can can email me. I'm Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at harvestchurcheugene.com. A lot of you prayed to follow Jesus a number of years ago. I wonder if you'd pray this prayer of application with me. And 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 I'm going to ask us to stand again because I kind of want to commission this again like we did a while ago. So would you stand with me? And if you would lean into this for the next 30 years, would you pray this prayer with me out loud? Dear Jesus, Jesus, we thank you you. that you are not done done. with Harvest Community Church. Church. We're not done either. So we commit today that we will give, that we will go, that we will share, that we will serve, that we will pray, and we will love. Help us to love the unlovable, to reach the unreachable. Do even more in the next 30. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 He's good, isn't he? He is. You can have it. We're going to sing, aren't we? Yeah. So don't have a seat. Just stay standing. We're going to sing a closing song. After the closing song, you might see there's cake. Apparently, there's chocolate and vanilla. All of that's for me? That's a lot. of. I, don't know. I think I'm going to get sick if I eat all that before the Super Bowl. I guess I'll share with all of you. I, I am so glad you're celebrating 30 years of Harvest Community Church.